You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll begin reading in verse number 2. Hebrews 12 and verse number 2, we mentioned it during the morning service, but we have Victory Christian Academy bumper stickers available uh, in the bookstore. You can pick up one. And uh, Pastor mentioned this morning, I wasn't going to mention it, but he mentioned if uh, you put one on your vehicle, make sure that you follow the law, amen? And uh, make sure that you're stopping for stop signs and red lights and all that good stuff. And, uh, but uh, if you know somebody that's not, then just go peel, peel, it, off their, peel it off their vehicle there and... Um, Praise the Lord for that. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2, the Bible says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds." Amen. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege we have to be in church on a Sunday night. And I pray that uh, we would never take for granted the fact that uh, we could assemble together like this and that uh, we could have uh, such a, a great people that are hungry and desirous for you to speak to us and for you to meet with us. And I pray that you would now uh, help us as we get into the word of God. May we not miss these truths in this passage, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And while you're seated there, I'm going to ask you to get your hymn book ready. We're going to do one more song. It might be a new song to you. But I want you to look at Hebrews 12. And uh, I started from Hebrews 12 this morning. I'll finish that next Sunday. I'm kind of going a little bit different direction tonight. But I want you to see in Hebrews 12 and verse number 2, the Bible says that we are to look unto Jesus the author and what's that next word? Finisher. Aren't you glad that Jesus finished what he started? Amen. He hung on that cross and he said, it is finished. He finished the work on the cross. And then it says this, who for the joy that was set before him, what's the next word there? He endured. Again, that means that he continued. Uh, he didn't quit. He didn't throw in the towel, but he endured the cross. Again, I understand that we go through some difficult times, but none of us have had to endure the cross like Jesus endured. The Bible says he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then it says in verse 3, for consider him that endured. There's that word again. He endured. He didn't quit. He finished the, the work on the cross. He endured such contradiction of sinners. I want to talk to us tonight and preach to you for a few minutes on the uh, simple subject, consider Christ. Verse 3, it says, consider him that endured. I'm glad that Jesus finished. And we talked about it this morning, but every one of us ought to have a desire to say, with God's help, I'm going to finish the race that God has given me. Uh, I'm going to finish, and when I breathe my last breath or when the trumpet sounds, whatever comes first, when those events happen, I want to still be faithful to Jesus Christ. In your gold book there, it's 
339. I love this song. It's an old song. Often I stop to think just where I'd be had Jesus come down from that cruel tree. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't come down, but he stayed on the cross? If you know it, help me out. 339 in the gold book. Sing it with me there on that first verse. Here we go. Often I stop to think just where I'd be. that second verse we won't sing it but we'll do that chorus one more time picture his mother there with tears in her eyes as they mocked and scorned him and pierced his side they said if thou be king then come to the ground but he prayed forgive them and he didn't come down you know why he stayed on the cross for you for me it wasn't the nails that kept him on the cross but it was his love for you and me that held him on that cross. Sing that chorus with me one more time. Think about these words. He didn't come down. Here we go on the chorus. He didn't come down. Oh, no. He didn't come down. 10,000 angels were kept all around. He could have Thank you, Miss Lydia. And I think that's a newer song for us, but uh, I hope you'll take that song with you uh, this week and think about those words, He didn't come down. Just very briefly tonight, I'd like to speak to us from Hebrews 12 on these two words, consider Christ. There's a lot of things this week that you'll consider. Maybe it's some issues you're dealing with at work. Uh, maybe it's some things you've got on your to-do list. Uh, maybe it's some burdens, maybe it's some physical needs, maybe it's some financial uh, burdens you've got, uh, maybe it's your family and you'll be thinking about that. Uh, by the way, uh, for those of you that were not in the early service, we're so glad to have Matthew and uh, Kaylee Insko. They joined the church this morning and they're expecting a baby. Next Sunday is the due date. You want to know what they're thinking about? They're thinking about a baby that's coming any day now. 
but you've got things that are on your mind and things that are, are, are on your heart, and that's okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you can't think about other things, but this week, could we consider Christ? Could we think about Jesus? Could we think about the cross this week? Maybe when you're having a hard time and maybe you want to explode on someone because that's probably what they deserve. Can we think about Jesus on the cross and how Jesus, rather than calling 10,000 angels to set him free and destroy the world, he said, Father, forgive them. Could we consider Christ this week? Quickly, I want you to see number one, I believe we should consider the suffering and the hurt. The Bible says in verse number two that he endured the cross. We've talked already uh, briefly about what the cross entailed. The cross was the most uh, brutal, the most painful, uh, the mo most torturous way to die. That's why the Romans used that crucifixion. They used that because they wanted to instill fear and they wanted to intimidate anyone that would dare oppose them to say, if you try to stand up against us, this is what is going to happen to you. And the crucifixion was a, a dreaded, uh, of course, nobody wanted to be to die any, any uh, uh, particular method, but the crucifixion was the worst of the worst, and that's what Jesus endured. The word endured, it means to remain or to stay under a particular burden. And Jesus suffered on the cross. Jesus suffered pain. Jesus suffered agony. Jesus suffered the physical pain, but Jesus suffered the emotional pain. We read in 1 Corinthians 11 that Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, can I tell you, that's a painful experience. When someone that you're close to, someone that you love, maybe a family member or a, a co-worker or a friend or, or someone that you trusted, and they betray you. Can I tell you, Jesus experienced that betrayal. Oh, not just from Judas, although Judas betrayed him. But when the, 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 the soldiers came, the Bible says that the disciples, they forsook him and they fled. Peter, who said, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll be with you all the way till the death. Well, guess what? He was nowhere to be found. And then when they did find him, he was warming his hands there by the fire. And they said, hey, you're one of them. That was Peter's chance to stand up and say, you're right. I do love Jesus. You're right. I do know Jesus. But Peter didn't stand up for Jesus. Peter began to curse and began to swear and deny that he ever even knew the Lord. And as those words left his mouth, the Bible says that Jesus looked upon him. Jesus saw him. Can you imagine the hurt of the Savior to know that Peter denied him and cursed the fact that he didn't even know who Jesus was? There was suffering. I want you this week as you suffer and as I suffer and as we go through hurt, I want to tell you this, we're not going to suffer as much as Jesus suffered. I'll promise you that. And if Jesus could suffer and if Jesus could experience the hurt and the betrayal and the pain and the suffering and the agony, but yet Jesus could endure. And if Jesus could finish and if Jesus could stay with it, I want to tell you, so can you. 
and so can I. Not in our own strength, not in our own ability, but with the help of God, with the grace of God, with the power that comes from Jesus Christ, we can endure the suffering and the hurt. Secondly, I want you to see in this passage, I see that there was shame and humiliation. We don't often, often focus on this. But do you realize that when they crucified Jesus, they did everything they possibly could to humiliate him. They, they ripped his clothes off of his body. Jesus hung on that cross naked. Jesus hung on that cross and as if that were not enough, they, they made a crown out of thorns and they placed that on his head. And they said, okay, you want to be king? You want to play king? Here you go, king. Here's your crown. And then they put a sign over his head and said, this is the king of the Jews. Not knowing how true that was, but trying to humiliate and trying to shame the savior of the world and the king of kings. And yet, notice Jesus' response to the shame and the humiliation of the cross. They spit upon him. They mocked him. They, they, they covered his eyes and they hit him with their fists. And they said, who hit you? Who smote you? If you're the son of God, then you tell us who was it. Notice his response in Hebrews 12. And I, I feel like I've, I've skimmed over this verse so many times. I've never really thought about this phrase like what it means. But it says in verse 2 that he endured the cross but then notice that next phrase. It says that he despised the shame. That word despise, it means to think little of or to think nothing of. So when, when some, someone or something is despised, you don't really think much of that. You don't think anything of that. Someone maybe despises you at work and they don't care what you think. They don't care what you say. But here's what the Bible says. Jesus reacted that way to the shame. All of the humiliation that he endured, Jesus said, I'm not even going to think about that. I'm not even going to worry about that. You want to know why Jesus wasn't worried about the shame? You want to know why Jesus wasn't even worried about the humiliation? Because he was thinking about something else. He was thinking about how much he loved you. He was thinking about how much he loved me. He thought that we were worth it. As he hung on that cross, he said, they may be mocking and they may be spitting upon me and they may be trying to humiliate me and they may be trying to, uh, to, to, to mock who I am. But Jesus said, I'm on this cross for a different reason. I'm on this cross because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Galatians chapter two, the Bible says that Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus loved you. And Jesus loved me so much that he was willing to despise, to think nothing of, the shame or the disgrace, the dishonor that he experienced on the cross. I want to ask you this week to consider Christ. Think about the suffering and the hurt. Think about the shame and the humiliation. But thirdly, I want you to think about 
the spite and the hostility that Jesus suffered. Notice with me in verse number three. This is an interesting verse. We don't usually uh, put this verse with the first two verses, but obviously it goes. It says, verse three, for consider him that endured. There's that word again. He endured it. He, 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 he stayed with it. He didn't quit. He endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. That word contradiction, it literally means opposition or hostility. Jesus knew what it was to be hated. They, they, were not, they were not crucifying Jesus just because they needed something to do. They were crucifying Jesus because they hated him. They were given an opportunity. Pilate said, I tell you what, he said, it's our custom. He was trying to give them an out. He was trying to give them a way to say, hey, let's not be so drastic here. I give you Barabbas instead. I'll crucify Barabbas and I'll let Jesus go free. You know what they did? They shouted out, crucify Jesus. They hated him. There was spite. There was hostility. By the way, I want to tell you, this world still hates Jesus. Now, we live in the United States of America, and I'm thankful for that. But you talk to missionaries, and you talk to people that they, they have experienced what it's like to be around people that would take your life just because you dared claim the name of Jesus. But I want to tell you, that's coming to this country if we don't see a turning back to God. Because this world hates Jesus. Let me tell you how much this world hates Jesus. When the rapture takes place and the Christians are caught up out of this world, there will be on this earth, there will be a seven-year tribulation period. The Antichrist will be in power, who will be uh, controlled and empowered by Satan himself. At the end of that tribulation period, the armies of the world will be fighting against each other. Now think about this. They're in the middle of an all-out battle. World War III. Armageddon. And as they are in the middle of a battle fighting against each other, let me tell you how much this world hates Jesus. Jesus shows up. And all of a sudden, this battle that is going on on planet Earth with the armies fighting against each other, they stop fighting against each other and they see Jesus coming and they say, he's the one we really want to destroy. He's the one we really want to fight against. And they turn their attention and their focus to try to fight against Jesus. How come? Because they hate him. They crucified him the first time he came. And when he comes back, they're going to try to destroy him. Well, I got news for you. It's not going to be the same outcome when he comes back. They're not going to crucify him. When Jesus comes back, he's going to destroy the armies of the entire world with just the word of his mouth. 
But what I'm trying to explain to you is don't be surprised. The world hated Jesus then. They still hate him now. John said it like this, 1 John 3, 13. He said, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. You know why? Because they hated Jesus and they're going to hate you and I if we identify with Christ. Consider this week the spite and the hostility and the hatred that Jesus experienced for you and for me. But then I want to say in closing, I want you to consider Christ this week and consider not just what he experienced on the cross, but I want you to consider where he is now. Notice Hebrews 12 and verse number two. It says he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and is, that is present tense, and by the way, he still is, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's a different setting. It's like we really shifted gears. We went from the cross and the shame and the humiliation and the hostility. And all of a sudden now, uh, Paul says, hey, but Jesus isn't still there. He is on the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Verse number three, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Paul said, you are going to be wiped out. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to quit. You're going to throw in the towel unless you consider Christ. Unless you think about what he did for you on the cross and unless you think about where he is now. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts. Acts 7. I was reading this phrase and God used this to bless my heart this week. The right hand of God. You know what's going on at the right hand of God? Acts 7, verse number 55, when Stephen was being stoned. The Bible says, verse 55 of Acts 7, but he being full of the Holy Ghost, he looked up steadfastly into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Now, I'm not asking you to come back Wednesday night and say, Pastor, I saw it. Same thing. Same thing Stephen saw. I actually saw it. I'm not asking you to, you know, eat extra pizza tonight and have crazy dreams and, and see things and all that. But what I'm telling you this week is when you're going through the hard times, guess what? Jesus is still on the right hand of the throne of God and he has power and he has authority and he knows what you're going through and he's able to help you no matter what you face. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, please. Romans 8, verse number 34. What's Jesus doing at the right hand of the throne of God? Well, we see that he was welcoming Stephen as Stephen stood and as Stephen was martyred. But we see in Romans chapter 8, in verse number 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. When you pray, guess who's at the right hand of God, interceding on your behalf? 
That is why when we pray, we pray to our Father which is in heaven, but that's why we pray in Jesus' name because what we're saying is, God, here's what we're asking you for, and we're not asking on our behalf, but we're asking on Jesus' behalf. We're asking on the behalf of your Son who is at the right hand of God who maketh intercession for us. Turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down on the right hand of God. I'm glad that Jesus offered himself as the sacrifice for our sins and, and the price was paid, the work was done, and he sat down at the right hand of God, meaning that we don't need a priest to go before God. We don't need a, another person to, to get access to God, but we have access through Jesus Christ, the mediator between God and man. Amen. And let's look at one more verse and we'll go home. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 22. Who has gone into heaven, verse 22, and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Now think about this. If the angels are in subjection to Jesus, if the angels are under the authority of Jesus, I think he's got everything else under control. Notice verse 22, the angels and authorities. Do you think Jesus is only in control of the good authorities? No, I think he's in control of all the authorities. Because he said in Matthew 28, he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So all the angels are subject to him. And all the authorities and all the powers. Now, I wonder who that might be. Well, I know that there are powers of God, and I know there are powers of Satan, right? But guess what? Any power that Satan has falls under the authority of Jesus Christ. There's not a thing that that old devil can do to touch you without first going through Jesus. I don't know if it helped you tonight, but I'm glad to know that Jesus is on the right hand of God and he's got everything under control. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week. Thank you.